This morning, um, I'm going to pray a little longer than I normally do. Um, all the things that are going on in our world, I, I find myself being overwhelmed. I find myself staying up a little bit later, find myself just falling on my knees in prayer, um, find myself not knowing all the words to say, the actions to take. But I do know this for certain, is that we are called as believers in Christ to pray. We had a meeting of about 30 pastors this past week, and they were talking about different actions that we could take in our community. And we came together and said, hey, we're going to meet downtown, and we're going to pray together. And I'm so thankful that we did that. We believe that Jesus is on his throne. We believe that he is in control. And so we're going to pray a little bit longer this morning, but I think it's important to pray. And I adapted this prayer from several different prayers that I've uh, found leaders praying. I adapted it for us in our community. So so if you would pray this with me. Lord, hallowed be your name in St. Augustine, revered, admired, honored, above every name in church, in politics, in sports, in music, in theater, in business, in media, in heaven or in hell. Your name, let it be the greatest treasure of our lives. And may your eternal divine son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, crucified for sin, risen from the dead, reigning forever, be known and loved as the greatest person in this city, Lord. Lord, what are we? We're, we're debtors whose only hope is grace. We can never pay back the honor that we've stolen from your name. How precious then is the truth that Jesus came into the world to save sinners just like me. And just like our church. And what have you saved us for, Father? And what end did you forgive or cleanse or free and empower your people? You've told us that in the coming ages I'll show you the immeasurable riches of my grace and kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. Yes, Lord, that is the best. You are the best gift to us. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. And help us to remember that, God. But that's a long way off, Lord. So what do we do now, Lord? What do we do? For now, we live here in St. Augustine, not heaven. This is our home away from home. We love our historic city. We love our beaches and the sun and the restaurants in downtown. We love our neighborhoods and the arts and high school sports. We love the people. This is our home away from home. We are sojourners and exiles in this city. So we ask, what have you saved us for in the here and now? Open our hearts to hear the answer, Lord. Help us to seek the welfare of the city that you've sent us to in exile as Jeremiah prayed. We pray to the Lord on, on his, its behalf for the welfare of our city and our community. Yes, Lord, this is a heart for St. Augustine. Seek her welfare. We pray for her behalf. Lord, we think about all those that are in our community and in our country. For those that are hurting badly in the black community, especially those who've lost a loved one through injustice, Lord, I pray that you bring them great peace, that you direct their hearts to the God of all comfort. Lord, I pray for all the upright police who have watched all of the unbearable video of, the George, Flo of George Floyd, and they consider it horrific and inhuman, and they lament with dashed hopes that they may start again they must start again from square one to rebuild the meager trust that they've won. For those worthy servants in our city and our country, we pray that they would know the patient endurance of Jesus Christ, who suffered for deeds that he did not do. Lord, this world is so imperfect, so full of pain and fear. 
despite all the chaos and judgment, we know that there are, many, there are so many of our police officers that are upright. Forgive us for forgetting that the police are human too. Protect them. Lord, we pray for the compounding sorrows that happen will not compound our sin, but send us running to a savior. May our leaders love truth, seek truth, stand unflinchingly for the truth and act on truth. For the haters and the bitter and the hostile and the slanderers of every race, we pray that they would see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ. We pray that light will banish darkness from their souls, the darkness of arrogance and racism and selfishness. We pray for broken hearts because a broken and contrite heart, O oh Lord, you will not despise. Lord, we pray for our country to see miracles of reconciliation, lasting harmony, rooted in the truth and the paths of righteousness. We pray for peace, the fullest enjoyment of shalom, flowing down from the God of peace that, that bought for us an infinite peace for the brokenhearted followers of the Prince of Peace. Jesus, for this you died, that you might reconcile the hopeless, hostile people to God and to each other. You've done it a million times by grace through faith. Lord, do it again. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We are coming to the point in the story of, of Abram, who is now going to become Abraham, uh, and we see that God is faithful to a thousand generations. That's the point for us this morning, and don't we need to hear that? I mean, I'm sitting up here looking at Macy getting baptized, and I'm thinking, yes, God is faithful to the next generation. He's faithful to a thousand generations, and even when we look in the world of chaos and confusion, he is still faithful. God made a covenant with Abram, if you remember, we, as we've been walking through the story of Genesis, and if you're new, I'll kind of update you a little bit where we're at. He made a covenant with Abram that he would, that he would be his, his God to a thousand generations, to all of these people, but yet here is Abram at 99 years old. He still doesn't have a child, and he's wondering, where on earth are you, God? You'd probably be wondering that too, right? If God made you a promise, that you'd be the father to a thousand generations, but yet you don't have your own child yet? I'm sure you'd be wondering, where are you at, God? And maybe you're wondering that now in our world and our personal lives. Where are you at, God? I want to assure you this morning that God is faithful. He's faithful to a thousand generations. And we're going to see that in the story here this morning. And uh, we're going to talk about circumcision this morning. And I realize that there are many uh, younger people in the auditorium this morning. So I'm not going to go into graphic detail, parents. I'm going to leave that up to you when you go home to explain a little bit more about circumcision. So here's Genesis chapter 17. As we continue on in God's word, we're going to read the whole chapter together because I think it's so good to see the flow of scripture. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I made you father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant, an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. 
the whole land of, of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. I will be their God. And then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my, this is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision. It will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born into your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born into your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from, from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you no longer call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and he said to himself, Will a man be born, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And God said, Yes. But your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son. You will call him Isaac. I'll establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. As for Ishmael, I heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I'll make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household and bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised, and circumcised them as God told them. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that day and every male in the Abraham's household, including those born of his household or bought, or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. All right. The promise of God being faithful to a thousand generations. Remember last time as uh, the story of Hagar and Ishmael and you see Sarai and, and Abraham constantly coming back and forth with worshiping God, following his ways and then messing up and then following his ways and then messing up. This pattern which for me brings great comfort because I see a pattern of that in my own life and maybe you see a pattern of that in your life. That you follow God and then you don't follow God. You follow God and you don't follow God. And it brings me great hope that the heroes of the Bible have the grace of God on them. And we do too. So it's been 13 years since God has talked to Abram. I mean, that's a long time for Abram to go without hearing from God. Remember, Abram didn't have the Bible, so he couldn't run to God that way. And so it's been 13 years. And so I don't know how you would introduce yourself back to Abram after 13 years, after 30 years since giving him the promise that he was going to have a son and he still hasn't had one. He says that I am El Shaddai, the Almighty God. He says that I am in control. When he says that he is El Shaddai, when he says that he's God Almighty, it emphasizes his omnipotence, that he's all-powerful. And I think it's so good for us to hear that too, that God is El Shaddai that he's the almighty God, that he's all-powerful, that he is still in control. And so he's letting Abram know that he is faithful to do it. 
that even though Abraham might be looking around thinking, man, I'm 99 years old. My wife is 90. How is she going to have a baby? The limitations that we have as humans, God does not have. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing that the limitations, all the limitations that you think of in your own life, God doesn't have those limitations. He can work beyond those limitations. And so he does that. He's already made this covenant uh, with Abram. And really, Abram has nothing to do with the covenant except for be a witness. Remember when he established the covenant, there was that weird scene where he cut the animals in half and he put them on each side of, of the, the, the land and then... God himself walked through the sacrifice saying that I'm the one that's in charge of this covenant. I'm the one that's doing the work. And Abraham didn't walk with him because Abraham was nothing but a witness. And that's so true for us. There's nothing that we can add to God's covenant in our life. He does the work. And I'm so thankful he does because if it was up to us, we would always fall short. And so now he's saying there's going to be a sign. And I'm so thankful that he gives this gospel sign. And we'll see uh, here in a little bit how that gospel sign has really changed uh, the connection into baptism. And we'll see why baptism is so vital and so important. Being circumcised was not some type of mystical transformation in the mail to purchase a relationship with God, but it was an outward sign. I mean, I have a, a wedding ring on. And that symbolizes what? What? That I'm married. It also symbolizes God's faithfulness. Today on June 14th, my favorite day of the year, Flag Day, is my anniversary. It's my 18th uh, anniversary. And I'm so thankful and grateful for the covenant that I have with my wife, uh, with us and God. And I'm so thankful for his Faithfulness. I think I have a couple of pictures of, of Christy and I up here, and I want to put these up here because they're just a picture of faithfulness. Okay, first of all, look at those babies up there. Okay, I, we didn't know what we were doing at all. We just knew that we were in love and we love God. We wanted to do it together. And then through all the years doing vacation Bible schools together, getting dressed up and trying to bring joy to people, and then seeing how God has blessed us with children, and he's faithful to a thousand generations, and he's been unbelievably faithful to Christy and I, and I'm so grateful to be able to share life with her, doing it together, worshiping God together. Unbelievable faithfulness. And as a pastor, I get to see God's faithfulness in hundreds and hundreds of people's lives. It's such an amazing privilege for me to walk with you, to see all the ways that God has moved in your life and to see how he is faithful to a thousand generations. And so this circumcision, this sign of the covenant is exactly that. It was actually signifying the circumcision of the heart, saying that sin needed to be cut away, that there needed to be trust in, in God, there needed to be trust in the Trinity, and that it wasn't, Abra it wasn't Abraham that was doing the work. It was just a sh sign showing God's covenant promise in, in their lives. And, and the promise is not only to Abraham, but also to, to Sarah, and to say that she's going to be the, the mother of nations, and she ends up being the mother of Judah and of Israel and of Edom, and this is from her line, from Isaac. And I love Abraham's response 
when he hears. Now, he's been hearing about this promise now for 30 years, okay? He's been hearing about this covenant that's happening. And when he finally gets reconfirmation of what's happening, you see what he does? He fell face down and he laughed. And he said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? I mean, I think this is a, a laughter of not unbelief, but a laughter of, of joy, like almost like stating this can't be possible because the Lord doesn't rebuke him here. So it's not like he's making fun of God and making fun of the promise, but he's realizing how great and how amazing this promise is. And this laughter comes out, this joy comes out, and we should have that same joy when we realize how faithful God is to us. When we stop and think about the blessings that God has given us, and certainly each and every one of us in our marriages, in our lives, in our childhood, we can mark times where there's been pain, where there's been suffering, where there's been difficulty. But if you're sitting here right now or if you're watching online uh, here in the World Golf Village community, God has been faithful to you. God has been faithful in your life just by the fact that you're here worshiping God. <laughs> God has been faithful to you. So you have all of these things uh, working together, and you see that even in the midst of all of this, Abraham is, is concerned about Ishmael, and, it, and God is even gracious to Ishmael and is working through his life, but he says, no, the line of the covenant will be with Isaac. There will be an everlasting covenant uh, with him, and uh, this is, is so uh, vital and so important as we see the line of, of God's people come through the Jewish people, come through Jesus. And there's this connection now. We got to witness a, a baptism this morning. I think it's so cool to be able to see that, that in Scripture there's a connection with the covenant sign or the gospel sign from circumcision in the Old Testament to baptism in the New Testament. And I want to show you that. One of the main verses that, that shows that is in uh, Colossians chapter 2. This is verses 11 and 12. Actually, I'll start in 9. It says, for, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have given fullness in Christ, who is head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised, in the putting off of sinful nature. Not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. That outward sign of circumcision in the Old Testament was so vital because it reminded the person who actually got the circumcision that they were a part of the line of Abraham. It also reminded the parents because it reminded them that they were a part of that sign and also reminded the, the person that, that they would marry, that they were part of the line of, of circumcision. They're part of the line of the promised generation. I think it's so interesting as we've been looking, as we look through this story, that Abraham was circumcised at age 99 and Ishmael at age 13. My first response to that, guys, was, ouch! But it's such a step of faith for their entire community. Do you notice what happened there? Every male, no matter what age, was circumcised at the same time. Imagine Abraham going door to door and saying, hey, guys, guess what God told me? I'm sure there was some resistance to that, but it says they all were. 
But if they all were circumcised at the same time, you can imagine that none of them as men were in a position for at least a few days to do any type of protection. The only way that they could, they could all do it at the same time was counting on God's faithfulness to protect them, to protect their tribe, to protect their people. This outward sign was such a vital and key thing. And that's why when we do baptism, it's such an, a vital and key thing to show that it's an outward sign of an inward reality that's happening in our hearts. In Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, it says, Don't you all know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were there, therefore buried with him through baptism in, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of his Father, that we too may live a new life. If we've been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we are no longer slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. This outward sign of God's faithfulness to a thousand generations is so vital because it proclaims to an unbelieving world about the hope that we have in Jesus. This inward reality of being circumcised in our heart, being baptized in our heart, that the sin is cut away, that we're cleansed in our sin in baptism is so vital to show an unbelieving world. Do you know in hostile nations that are hostile to Christianity, when people put their faith in Christ... They're often not in any danger. But when they're baptized, that's when they put their life on the line because they're telling the world that they are believers in Christ, that God is faithful to a thousand generations. And it's so vital that we do that. So that's why we baptize infants, just like circumcision is done at eight days old. We baptize infants because we believe that God's promises to a thousand generations. We're also not part of the baptism police. And so we have uh, families that believe that their kids should be baptized when they come to faith in Christ, just like Macy was. And we're so thankful for that, too, because that also proclaims that God is faithful to a thousand generations. The point of all this is to point all of us to Jesus that we have community together, that we're rallying around each other as believers in faith, in faith in Christ, showing the world this outward expression of our faith. And when we live like a baptized person, some of the things that we say is that nothing will separate me from the love of Christ because of what he's done. Jesus has forgiven me of all my sins. Being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit helps give us our identity that need for hope, that need for joy, and that need for peace. And so the action step for this week is to trust in God's faithfulness. As we've seen through generations after generations of God's faithfulness with Abraham, he's going to continue that to our generation. He's going to continue that with our generation and our kids' generation and their kids' generation. He is faithful. That gospel sign of circumcision that's moved to baptism in the New Testament helps us experience gospel transformation. Listen, men will know us because we've quit smoking. Men will know us because we've quit swearing. Men will know us because of what? Because of our love. Because of our love. And that's what this world needs now more than ever. And the only way that we're going to be able to experience 
that love is by getting the love from God and being able to share that with others. That gospel sign is a reminder of the great love of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel teaches that he is a seeking and saving Savior. And aren't you glad about that? That even in the midst of our sin, even when we stray away, even when we wander away, even when our thoughts wander, even when we're far away from God, he runs after us. In Revelation 3.20, one of my favorite verses of the Bible, not only because it talks about salvation, but it talks about eating. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. God sees us where we're at. He sees us in our suffering and our pain and our sin, and he knocks on the door of our heart, and he says, I want to circumcise your heart. I want to baptize you with clean water. I want to make you new if you accept me as Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, won't you do that? He's faithful to a thousand generations. I don't know how you live your life right now if you don't have Christ. Where do you turn to? My heart breaks for you if you're not a believer in Christ. Put your faith in him. Run to him, the one who is holy, who is mighty, who is king of all kings. He wants to remove that sin, circumcise that sin, and make you clean. Won't you trust in him? If you've never done that before, you can let us know uh, that you've trusted in him for the first time by texting the number that's on the screen, or you can write in the comments below on the um, on the Facebook page or on YouTube, or you can come and talk to us after the service if you're here in person. We love for you to know the power of God's faithfulness and his salvation. In closing, if you know his salvation, you know the nature of the gospel is that not only does Jesus take the initiative, but he also finishes what he started. We see that with Abraham, don't we? From Abraham's perspective, it took a long time, but God had a, had a plan that he talked about this covenant that he was going to give through a thousand generations. And Abraham was wondering, God, when are you going to show up? I know you took the initiative of this covenant. I saw you walk uh, through the sacrifice pieces. I saw you. I know that you're in control, but I'm sure he doubted, right? I'm sure he doubted. And maybe you're doubting God's faithfulness too. But I want you to know the one that's taken initiative in your life will bring it to completion. He's not like us. He's not like us that say, hey, I'm going I'm to start a diet and then we don't quite do it. He's not like us that says, I'm going to do this project at home and we still have the unfinished project. He's not like that. He, whatever he starts, he finishes. He is on his throne. He's faithful to a thousand generations. And so let's walk with gospel confidence. Let us walk knowing that God is faithful. Let's trust in God's faithfulness. And let's be a people that are recognized by others knowing that we trust in his faithfulness and his goodness. I mean, look at what happened to Abraham. God is faithful to a thousand generations. Let's trust that. Let's pray together. God, I'm so thankful that you are faithful to a thousand generations. I'm so thankful that you've been faithful in my life in so many ways. You've been faithful to our church over and over and over again. When we put our faith and trust in you, Lord, I'm so grateful and so thankful that we can count on your faithfulness. If it was up to us, we would always fail. 
if salvation was up to our faithfulness, we would have no hope. As we look around all of the division in our world right now, we run to you. Remember that you are faithful to a thousand generations. There are hurting people that are looking for answers. We as the people of God, we know the answer. The answer is you, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And we pray this all in your name. Amen.